The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Today on the dojo, we're going to be once again continuing this theme of how a lot of us are going through more difficult times. And we're going to get very specific about what some of these difficulties really are about. And one of the important things that I brought to you on these recent dojos is in the emotion episodes that we got to name our emotions. We got to name and claim what it is that's impacting us. And from my perspective, in my life, in my personal life, in my professional life, I am seeing the undercurrent of fear being a root cause of a lot of the suffering and challenges and increased anxiety that we're seeing. So today on the dojo, we're going to be getting into something that many of us don't want to face into, that many of us run from, hide, but there's no running and hiding from this one. Here on the dojo today, we're going to be getting into it on the topic of fear. Welcome to the dojo. Fear, what is it? Why is it important that we really understand what it is will be the topic of uh, today's dojo. And I likely believe the next one will be on how we can overcome our fear, how we can really face and cope you know, with it in our day-to-day lives because it comes in so many different forms and facets. It's just really a part of the human condition. And so that's going to lead me into the why. So why? You know, I'd love to start with why. Thank you, Simon Sinek. Well, I think fundamentally, you know, when we look at a theme of the show, it's a, about unity and unity through disability, like because disability impacts so many people and likely almost everyone's going to have a disability. It's universal, as is death. If we ever want to think about something that brings us all in common. If we're trying to look at somebody and see like, how can I relate to that person? Well, one of the most profound ways is that we're, we're all gonna die. That's a pretty profound way to say that we connect. And, and thus, you know, fear. Fear is something we all feel. It's so common. You know, it could be fear of disability. It could be fear of death. And we'll get into the different types and forms of fear in a little bit. But, you know, I think that's why it's such an important topic for us to cover because it is so common. We all feel it on a day-to-day basis. It's just natural. It's a part of like just human nature, really. We think about the, the fact is, is that fear has allowed us to survive. It's been almost a necessary thing in many ways. We're going to talk about, you know, the downsides of fear, but also like <laughs> arguably through evolution, we have been able to survive because fear has allowed us to make sure that we get food. The fear of not having food for our ancestors motivated them to go get food and be prepared for when hunger occurs. Fear of bad weather um, motivated our ancestors to build shelters to protect themselves from it. Fear of the travesties of other people or other tribes that may do us harm prepared us to defend ourselves. 
So fear in many ways is something that helped us to survive. So it could be a good thing in some, some effects. And we'll probably talk in uh, the next episode when we get into, you know, how we can really use fear as something that, you know, helps us out, you know, to fast forward to modern times, you know, think about fear is ever present, right? More than ever, right? The uncertainty of our times in a pandemic, we've just seen fear left and right. So, you know, we got fear of, of getting the COVID, uh, which leads us to make very, you know, smart choices about, you know, not getting COVID and having to make hard choices about it as well. So out of the fear of, of getting COVID, many people have chosen to wear masks, to get vaccinations, to socially distance themselves, to even isolate themselves, quarantine themselves, make these choices out of fear. Again, keeps us surviving out of fear. People have chosen not to wear masks, you know, fear of what the social impact that it might be having on people, fear of that it could be some kind of uh, totalitarian move to take away our freedoms uh, that we might have from us, fear of the vaccine and all the different uh, side effects that it could have and people are choosing not to get it. So fear in the pandemic is super huge. Inflation right now is out of control. There's a lot of uncertainty about our economy, um, the social unrest that continues to happen, which a lot of the base of our social unrest that we might have, you know, when we talk about, you know, racism, certainly there's a ton of fear that's baked into that fear of what what's happening to the changes in our environment. Uh, that's going on and, and the concerning news that we have about that, the wars that are going on, the, the mass shootings that are happening. You know, you just go turn on the news. There's no shortage of fear that's on there. And believe me, I used to consume news um, much more regularly. I thought it was a part of my civic duty to stay abreast of the latest and uh, breaking news at all times. And I just remember uh, you know, just the local news. You know, the first 10 minutes would be carnage. You know, how many homicides, how many suicides, how many motor vehicle crashes that were killing and maiming people, natural disasters that occurred, or, you know, it was just 10 minutes of, of straight carnage. And things that would like, oh, man, you know, especially when cable news was a thing and I was watching it, you know, 11 o'clock before you go to bed, just filling your my head with these kind of things that I could do nothing about. Fear, fear, fear. And it got people to tune in, too. Right. I, a lot of the commercials for watching the news was based on soliciting, you know, fear and say, oh, you want to learn more. You got to tune in fear and the messaging, uh, the conspiracy theories that are out there, uh, not to make judgment if they're right or wrong, but a lot of them are baked on the underlying premise of, you know, you were being duped. The reality that we're in is a false reality, and you got to open your eyes to see that we're being hoodwinked, and, you know, if we don't wake up to it, this is what's going to happen to you. And, and just, again, you know, bringing it even closer into my life, you know, seeing the, the stress that a lot of the consumers that we serve, that's what we refer to the people that we serve as consumers um, that are going through, facing losing their homes, being food insecure, whether they're going to be able to get through school, what's going to happen to their parents and guardians that we work with, what's going to happen to their young children, young adults now that are living with them when they're gone. There's so much fear that they have and not making judgment they have it. I think it's completely natural that they do have this and just underscoring the why here and why we're doing this episode. And so there's a, there's a lot of it going on. Do you know what the most repeated phrase in the Bible is? The oldest book of all times, which is a collection of books. Be not afraid. Be not afraid appears in the Bible more than any other phrase or some iteration of that. Why? Because for thousands and thousands of years, fear has just been a part of us, it's been with us. And this advice of be not afraid 
in the Bible has manifested into what's known as the hero's journey. This, this story that has been told a thousand times over a thousand years in a thousand different ways. So all the way from Homer's Odyssey, uh, that was thousands of years ago, the elements of that hero's journey is seen in today's you know, movies of the latest Marvel movie to you know, Star Wars to, to whatever it is nowadays. You know, there's many elements that are just the same. And one of them is that the, the, the hero has got to face their fears and overcome them and lean into them. And, and so why from the Bible to the hero's journey that's told in so many different ways? Is this such a common theme? Because that is kind of, I, I would suppose, one of the purposes in our life is to really understand our fear. You know, what is fear? That's what we get into in this episode. And how to overcome our fears, I would say, is a big girder of how we can live more independently. Because, you know, how can we if, if we're always fearing things? So, for example, like, you know, if the, a football player is fearing being tackled as they're in the air catching the ball, are they going to be able to catch their ball? Is that artist who is trying to put their work into the world, whether it's a painting, whether it's a book, whether, you know, it's oratory, if they're worried about the, the ready pen of, of the critics or you know, we able to, to go into a committed relationship if the only thing we're fearing is a broken heart based on maybe we had our heart broken into in the past and we had evidence of it. And yet we're met, meeting someone who is worth committing to, but all we can do is fear getting our heart broken again. Are we going to get into that committed relationship if we are in a committed relationship and we want to have children? Are we going to ever have children if the only thing we're really manifesting and, and thinking about is the, all that? Believe me, being a parent, there's plenty of fear that comes in with having kids. But if we're, you know, we're deciding to have kids and the only thing we can think about is are we going to have enough money? You know, are they going to be you know, exposed to all these different kind of like kind of things socially? What, yeah, are we going to ever have kids? If, what about the addict who is fearing sobriety? Are they ever going to be able to get sober if they're really paying attention, really leading with that fear? Are we going to be able to, to leave a dead-end job you know, that's not bringing us any fulfillment or any purpose in our life? Um, if we fear that by taking that leap, it's just gonna, we're going to go bankrupt and we're not going to be able to have the life that we really want. What about us in the disability world? Advocacy, you know, standing up, taking a stand. By doing that, if we fear you know, what other people will say, we're going to bring out other critics, are we going to really ever advocate if all we're ever thinking about is the fear of the back blow that we're going to have by taking a, you know, a moral stance and, and being able to do that? I talked about vaccines and masks earlier. If you believe in the mask and wearing a mask, are you going to be able to wear it in, in public knowing that there are going to be critics out there? Are you going to be able to encourage other people, if you believe in the vaccine, to get the vaccine? If you, you know, or fear what other people might say about getting that vaccine? You know, we've had to make a stand here at our center. We're being charged with promoting the vaccine and we're doing it on social media. Yeah, there's fear that I have that we're going to now just be a, a target for people to make all kinds of hateful comments on our social media because we're doing that. And if I were to only pay attention to my fear, we would never get into that space. You know, if we're uh, in public service or we're a politician, what are they ever going to make right decisions that are, you know, maybe not popular with voters if they know they're going to, you know, take a hit for it at the polls? You know, what's going to encourage them to, to make the right decision if they're only paying attention to that kind of fear? You know, what about those of us that may be uh, in a diversity training? And we want to ask a question. 
but we're fearful that the question that we're going to ask that needs to be asked so that we can get a better understanding about how to communicate better with people of a different race or ethnicity or sexual orientation or their disability itself, how are we going to ever ask that question if we're worried about someone calling us out on being ignorant because of the kind of question that we have. I do disability awareness trainings all the time. One of the things that we got to do is help to mitigate some of the fear that people might be having about asking a very important question that might come across ignorant to others uh, and being able to do that. How are we going to ever pose a great idea that we might have about changing the world or starting our new business when we know any great idea or any kind of business that has ever been started has had a lot of people laughing and criticizing and mocking. How are we going to ever do those kind of things if we don't really look and face and lean into our our fears? So this is why I think it's so important because like I could go on and on about listing, you know, all the different things that are are needed to be done from catching a ball to being an artist to, to, to going into a committed relationship, having kids, advocating, standing up, all these other kind of things, all of it, all anything, any greatness that has ever happened in this world and in this lifetime has had an element of fear undergirding it. And if we don't do those things because of fear uh, leaning into the way, then we're going to live that unlived life. The war of art, we did some episodes on that. And, and again, that's what the resistance is. The resistance is fear and, and hoping we Uh, run away from being the higher version of ourselves. So this is the why uh, that we really need to uh, lean into fear. So what is fear? We need to look at it up close, first of all, to understand what it is. And and, and this is why the Spartans, you know, who are regarded as like, you know, these fearless warriors, they weren't fearless warriors. They had fear too. They were just very familiar with what fear is. They would supposedly build these temples of fear where they would intentionally put themselves into situations that invoked fear so they could become very familiar with it. They didn't run away from it. They didn't pretend not to have it. I think that's a big misnomer is like, oh, we're fearless. I think that's such a not useful term to this idea because when else can someone be brave or courageous if not in the face of fear? If, if we're doing something and we don't feel fear, that's not courageous. Courageousness by definition is happening while having fear. And so they would intentionally put themselves in situations where they would encounter fear so that they could get up close to it, understand it, study it. Tim Ferriss, an entrepreneur, influencer, angel investor, very well known, millions and billions of followers. He has this practice of fear setting. He lays out exactly what it's all about, these situations that causes fear, what will happen if the worst case scenario happens, kind of like the Stoics and their premeditatio malorium. Not doing it in a way to increase the fear, but to, to get up close next to it, to see what it is for what it is, so that the more he or the Greeks or the Spartans would look at it, they could then be more understanding of what it is. False evidence appearing real. False F-E evidence. A appearing R real. This acronym of fear. False evidence appearing real. That's what they would end up seeing. Was a lot of times this fear that they have was an illusion. It was a shadow. The more that we could fear set, premeditation malorium, study it, the more they were able to dismantle it. But it required leaning into it and getting to know what it is. So what it is, by definition... There's uh, some distinctions I think that's worthy. Being scared versus being afraid or having fear. 
So being scared would be something like that's momentary. So my family, we have this practice that it's always game on that we, any one of us can jump out of a corner and be like, boo, scare one another, right? Um, it's, a, it's a fun game. We love doing it. And when one of us jumps out of the corner to another and says boo, and the other person gets scared. But right away, it's, oh, it's just my you know, nine-year-old kid pranking me. So, but he scared me. When I'm out surfing and I see that shark fin, I get scared because right away as I see it, when I go and put out the garbage living here in Florida, no shortage of snakes. You know, I see a snake, boo, fear. That loud banging, the loud crash, fear. That's almost like a lizard brain stimulus, uh, an immediate response. You know, no gap at all in between. If you're driving and almost have ever gotten into an accident, that's getting scared. All of a sudden, everything's going great. You know, didn't notice that person in my blind spot and I was about to shift lanes. And all of a sudden, there he is, scared. Uh, or vice versa, scared. Uh, fear, on the other hand, being afraid is a state of being where uh, if I'm walking around the house and I am in a state of fear that at any moment my kid could jump out and scare at me, that's fear. If I'm out surfing and I haven't seen a shark fin, but I'm like fear, you know, in a state of being that at any moment a shark fin could pop out and the whole time I'm out there, or before I go out to take out the garbage, I'm thinking about that snake that could be there. Maybe he's there as I'm walking out there, as I get to put out the garbage. They never see the snake, but if I'm in that state of being afraid, that's fear. So fear is this like state of abiding and being in a place of having that, you know, kind of fear um, and being present with it and just letting our mind run wild with it is uh, something that is a state of it. And what, what is, you know, fear in terms of, you know, disability? I think people that don't have disabilities, almost to the level of death, fear disability. So I, I, I do right now. Yeah, I don't have the greatest eyesight, but I, I fear going completely blind. Or, you know, I don't live in that state of it, but as my eyesight gets progressive, there's times where I've been challenged about like, man, what's my life going to be like? And that's, and others perhaps, you know, a car accident that could take away my mobility fear of stigma and disability. So there's this quote that I intermittently bring up all the time. Our fear of stigma is part of the problem. And it was part of the problem for me for a while. Like I was embarrassed by having a disability. I was worried about what other people would think and having to you know, disclose that I had a disability, treated differently. If uh, you know, I was to come out and say that I had a disability, if they couldn't tell already. So I had fear of the stigma that was out there, which I believe perpetuates the stigma. And so that the fear and disability, which basically comes down to like, you know, the rejection, fearing rejection and needing acceptance, which is foundational human need that we have is huge. We, we worry about what the opinion of other people and what they might say about us. And certainly that ties into, you know, having a, a disability. I know a lot of people that have visible disabilities. We had Miriam who was on our podcast last fall, you know, she talked about, you know, being out in public and, and it would be apparent that she has a disability and, you know, was noticing the turned heads or the stares of other people and, you know, living with that and just kind of really fearing what other people thought. Oh, also another aspect of fear and disability is things that are in control and not out of our control. So, you know, there's things that I can't control because uh, of my eyesight, lack of eyesight. Like I can't control the fact that I'm unable to drive. I, I don't make the visual acuity of that. And, and I can't control that. And, you know, just having control, right? You know, 
and is a fundamental part of our independence and making choices. And there's some choices that are just straight up not a choice for us, unfortunately, because of our disability. And that can in, in, invoke a lot of fear as well. So I saw this all the time at the university. So students with disabilities who went to the Disability Resource Center had an accommodation letter that said, you know, this student would need extra time on a test, that they need a note taker, and et cetera, would have to then go present it to their professor. And I can't tell you how many undelivered accommodation letters that there would be from students because they had that fear of communicating with their professor, disclosing that they had a disability, and then needed accommodations. Worried about what the professor would think about them, feeling like they were insecure in their ability to communicate. And then another heartbreaking thing that I learned from students at the University of Florida who had learning disabilities. You know, they were worried about what their peers would think of them. So competitive at the university, you know. And so uh, as undergraduates, they were competing to get into graduate school. And they would uh, often tell me is that, you know, I would not uh, take advantage of the accommodations that they were entitled to because of the, the stigma that their friends would have towards them, you know, that they were just trying to get, you know, an advantage by copying disability by getting extra time on the test, by having a note taker, by maybe getting the notes ahead of time, that you know that was a competitive advantage, that they were kind of copying, faking, and et cetera. And that fear of you know, what their fellow students would say about them uh, would be something that you know, they would say that would inhibit them from being able to do that. You know, making new friends. I know, like, again, like, there would be something I would hide from. Fear of bullying, you know, kids at school nowadays, uh, especially, uh, would fear, uh, you know, being made fun of and picked on. And that's real. You know, people with disabilities are more likely to be bullied. So, yeah, leaning into that is very hard. I remember going for, for job interviews and do I bring up disability? Do I not bring up disability uh, in the job interview going into there? Would it be seen as a strength? Would it be seen as a weakness? And not knowing and having that fear, when do I, if I do get hired, when do I ask for accommodations and advocate for myself? When's the right time, not the right time to be able to do that? You know, the, it was just one of those things that was very, very tough. You know, disability in athletics when I was growing up, I knew that because of my, my disability, there were certain types of physical activities I wasn't good at and didn't want to participate in, but would love to. And making those choices you know, brought a lot of different types of fear into my life. And so what are different, you know, so that's disability and fears and, and at least some of the ones that I've gone through and seen in my life. And you know, I find it, again, does tie back to the why, but also the what of fear and disability. The different types of disability that I think are pretty universal is fear of death, right? I mean, we're all going to die. And we're, as far as I know, one of the only animals that are out there that can have a kind of a cognitive capacity to to just know it and think about it and, and, you know, meditate on it, you know, so that can obviously our, you know, I think it's a philosopher that once said, you know, the root of all our problems are is that our knowledge of, you know, our own immortality and, and all the fear that accompanies that along the way and our ability to come to terms with that is a lifetime of, of challenge and suffering. And, and again, uh, you know, with this pandemic, I think all of us worldwide collectively together, if we were ignoring the fact that we're mortals, are having to take a hard look in the mirror of our own mortality, knowing people that have passed away, for whatever it might be, is always something that is an opportunity to, to really think uh, about our own mor mortality and to face this fear that we all have in common. As I was mentioning earlier, fear of rejection. So anytime I need to ask for help, 
Uh, again, this is going through the different types of fear, social approval. You know, when we're very young, approval seeking, getting the approval of our parents are very important as we become teenagers, getting the approval of the peers and the teens and young adults, the same thing are, are very important to us. And so fear of being rejected and the need to be accepted is huge at any phase in life. Asking for help, you know, and leaning into that vulnerability is a fear that I've had to, you know, really look at in my own life. I've often said here, when I go into a doctor's office or another place where something's needing to be read and they don't have the alternative formats and the font, I've got to ask another human being to help me. And that has trepidation for me. I don't want to be a nuisance and bother to other people. And um, as much experience as I have, it's still to this day, it can be one of those times that it seemed awkward. Our inability to cope sometimes, you know, with our emotions. Um, you know, it's been said that fear is the path to the dark side. You know, fear leads to, to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Thank you, Master Yoda, for that one. But, you know, think about all the different, you know, if we're experiencing anger, if we're experiencing hatred, if we're experiencing, you know, these kind of things, and we see this, you know, in the areas of, you know, racism, ageism, stigma related to disability, People just not kind of having fear about what, what they don't know, other people that they can't relate to, you know, fear that what, what is a, the changing demographics in our society going to mean to their demographics and the fear that it can bring to them, um, the fear of racism, the fear of anti-racism. So there's a lot of people out there, like I said, in the diversity trainings that are, you know, worried that they're going to, you know, get tongue lashed or, or ridiculed or criticized um, for being the majority race. That's out there, the fear that they're going to, you know, then the shame that, the, that they've been receiving on that end is, is a lot of fear. So fear and discrimination is, is real. Uh, it kind of goes hand in hand and, and it can lead to a lot of division that's out there about that thing that's very much needs to be out there and addressed and talked about. And, and so if we have fear about talking about it, if we have fear about talking to people about that, you know, I don't, I don't know how it's going to unravel and, and, and come to fruition. Fear of failure, fear of success. So one of the things that I've noticed about myself is oftentimes when I commit myself to something, you know, I notice that sometimes I commit eh, halfway or not all the way in. I don't go all in. And, and I've examined myself and I'm like, why am I not fully committing myself to competitive race that I was in? Uh, well, maybe... I was, I was fearful that, you know, maybe I wouldn't win. And if I uh, come in at the end or the middle of the pack, well, I can say that I wasn't going all out. Why do I have fear that, you know, I'm not fully committing myself to learning another language, which is very important to me? Well, if, you know, I'm old and I'm, I'm too busy and I'm too gringo, you know, these excuses that I'm using, well, what if I go all in and I still don't fluently learn this language? You know, this fear of failure helps to keep me contained into this halfway in, halfway out mentality. And I, and I see this in others too, not fully committing themselves to, to getting themselves through school or half-heartedly trying at work. You know, because what if we did go all in and didn't succeed? Maybe living with not going all in and not achieving is a lot easier than if we went all in and didn't achieve. You know, we would be much more judgmental of ourselves on that. Fear of success. So, you know, what if we did attain these high marks in our life? Would that just set us up for the, the need to attain more? 
or what if we you know had to encumber all the different responsibilities of being successful sometimes i get this when we submit for a contract to do an awesome service and program to help support other people oh man that also comes with a lot of stress now we got to go out and do it now we got to go out and build this program now we got to go hire the people find the people train the people get the resources put it into play put ourselves out there go do this good work that's amazing to do but it also brings in a lot of fear thankfully we've been successful in getting grants and contracts to do the wonderful work that we do but once we you know get the notice of award there also is this heaviness that comes with it now we got the roles and responsibilities to encumber upon that so sometimes we may self-sabotage you know ourselves in in some ways uh, to prevent ever from that fear of success from happening uh, in our lives but um fear and control mentioned earlier it's very hard to not have control of things that we can't control we we see this manifesting and micromanaging uh you know either people or our environment and situations to, to try and have that control in there because like we fear not having control and there's so much in life that we don't control like other people and situations and so when we see people micromanaging it's largely out of fear they're, they're trying to arrange life to to be in a way that doesn't unfold in a way that's not to their preferences and so there's a lot of fear there, fear in the ego. Oh man, how many books are written on what the ego is and this false self and people that are in positions of they're looked up to and to have answers. And the fact is, is we're human and we don't have answers. Whether we're a parent, whether we're a teacher, whether we're an executive director or a manager or whatever it may be, people are turning us to answers. And many people in these, in these roles feel the need to have answers or pretend they have the answers. When in reality, that's our ego. And, and to be found out and to worry about what other people might think and what, what's it going to look like in the eyes of other people when we say, I don't know. I don't know. And we, and we fear what other people might say. Actually, that comes across as authentic. And to say, I don't know, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find out. I'm going to see what, what that's all about. It can be very ego dismantling. And so there's a lot of ego repair that tends to go on when we face fear and uh, you know those kind of things. And so there's so many different ways uh, and forms of fear that really do come in, into our lives. And, and, and the problem is, is when we fear death, when we you know, fear the, the rejection of other people, fear that's created from our ego and all these other kind of ways that I just listed, the danger is, is that we start catastrophizing the situation uh, you know, and making it worse. There's, it's been said that there's nothing so bad that fear couldn't also make it worse. And so this is, I think, points to the next episode to where we're going to get into is like, how can we really address our fear and that it can be a superpower? We can use fear to our advantage. It could be a compass that points us towards the direction that we need to go, an opportunity to be courageous, to become stronger. And that's really where the dojo of life is, I think, you know, is that, you know, we don't run away from fear. We, we acknowledge that we have fear, just like everybody else. Again, this is what we have in common with each other. We, we all have in common this with each other. And what a wonderful opportunity to grow, to evolve, and to really become the better version of ourselves that is necessary. So in the next episode, we are going to talk about how we can use fear as a superpower to take our life to the next level, onward and upward. Thanks for listening to the Independent Life Podcast, brought to you by the Center for Independent Living of North Central Florida. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe. 
And if you know anyone who might benefit from listening, share this podcast and invite them to subscribe too. For questions, suggestions, or if you have a story you'd like to share, please email us at cilncf.org at gmail.com or call us at 352-378-7474. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, support, advocate, and empower each other to live the independent life.